The first reading is from Isaiah 61 on page 603. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall tie your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations and in their riches you shall glory. Because their shame was double and dishonour was proclaimed as their lot. Therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, for I the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the, all the nations. And the second reading is from Luke, chapter 4, um, verse 16 to 21. Um, it's on page 835, uh, verse 16. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and, gave, and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were, fi were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Freedom is an idea that lies right at the heart of our culture. Uh, we hold our freedoms very deeply. We seek to defend them as best as we can. We have a really high value on free speech, a high value on free trade, freedom of movement, freedom of information. 
freedom of assembly, freedom of association, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion. Uh, freedom is one of the uh, bedrock uh, important kind of concepts of our whole Western civilization. And underlying all of those different kinds of freedoms, uh, there's a commitment to the idea that each individual is free, that each one of us is able to use whatever capacities and resources we have uh, to do whatever we want with. The idea that there's nothing holding us back from being who we want to be, being how we want to be, so long as it doesn't impinge on the behaviour uh, or uh, freedoms of others. Uh, we value our freedom deeply, we legislate to protect it, we hire lawyers to defend it, and we yell about it uh, loudly and angrily uh, at those moments when people don't like our opinions or our behaviour. Uh, freedom is a deeply held value in our culture. Uh, and as a culture, we have a general sense that the world has been getting freer. Uh, new democracies keep popping up around the world, international travel gets easier and easier, and we're pretty much free to do whatever we like with our bodies, with our time, with our money, so long as we don't impinge on the freedom of others. But our world is not as free as we might like to imagine. Uh, our world is far less free than we would like it to be in all kinds of ways. Uh, here are just some of the statistics for you. Uh, there are 40 million people in the world today who are in some kind of slavery. 40 million men, women and children, each with their own stories, each with their own uh, name. 40 million people in slavery. Of those 40 million, one in four of them are children. Of those 40 million, 3.8 million are in some kind of forced sexual exploitation. And of those 3.8 million in forced sexual exploitation, about a million of those are children. Uh, again, of those 3.8 million in forced sexual exploitation, 99% of them are women. Uh, our world is far less free than we like to imagine that it is. And the truth of the matter, of course, is that lots of the freedoms that we enjoy in uh, the uh, developed world uh, are based on denying freedoms to other people in the majority world in all kinds of ways. Uh, human trafficking, which finds its way in all kinds of ways into the products that we buy, the clothes that we wear, Human trafficking generates $150 billion a year. Mostly, two-thirds of it, in fact, through uh, the commercial sex trade. Our world is not as free as we would like it to be. And so a question that all these things raises for us, actually, is, is, is freedom even actually possible? Uh, is freedom something that we can really ever expect in our world? And what, if anything, does God have to do with it? Uh, so there are a couple of questions that we're going to ask this evening, uh, given all that we've heard from uh, IJM and all we know about what's happening in the world. Uh, is freedom actually even possible? Uh, and secondly, is, is freedom livable? If freedom is possible, then what difference does it make in our life? How do we actually live freely in a way that has some kind of meaning? We're going to think first about that first question there, is freedom possible? Uh, are there any uh, fans of uh, Nina Simone in the room? Nina Simone fans, anyone? Come on, one. Yep, James Watson, of course. Yep, great, excellent. Some kind of iffy ones. Uh, Nina Simone, you're going to become a fan in just a moment. Um, a great uh, R&B, gospel, soul singer, one of the all-time greats uh, of American music. Uh, she uh, wrote a whole bunch of incredible songs, lots of which you probably know and have heard, even if you're uh, not a particular fan. Got this incredible voice, a, a deep, kind of um, beautiful, rich timber. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful singer and performer, uh, also actually deeply involved in the civil rights movement in the 1960s in the United States. 
Uh, Nina Simone was someone who threw herself right in there, writing songs for the civil rights movement, performing at rallies. She was deeply, deeply involved in that amazing work uh, that God did in that country at that time. Uh, But Nina Simone became uh, deeply disillusioned over the course of her life with the civil rights movement. As she grew older, she saw uh, wounds that continued to fester in her community, in her country, uh, that made her wonder whether or not the civil rights movement had really achieved all that much at all. Um, In a happier time, before she was quite so disillusioned, uh, she wrote a song that nevertheless has a kind of real tone of longing and pleading to it, a song called, I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. Uh, A song longing to know what freedom would be like if she could really experience it in fullness. Uh, You don't want to hear me talk about it though, you want to actually hear the song. So here's a little bit of Nina Simone uh, performing that song for you. Uh, maybe we should take a vote. To take a vote on whether we keep listening to Nina Simone or I keep preaching. No, let's not. Let's not do that. I know which way it would go. Uh, it's a beautiful song, and she's such a beautiful singer. Um, but do you hear th- what's going on in that song? She's pleading to experience freedom. She's pleading to experience freedom. She has this deep longing to know what it would really feel like to actually be free. Uh, and the question she asks, right? You know, you see what she sings. She sings, "I, I wish I knew." Uh, Not I will know, not I have known, not I want to know again, but I I wish I knew what that was like. Uh, She's asking the question, is freedom even really possible or is it actually just wishful thinking? Uh, You see, uh, international justice mission have a uh, longing for for freedom as well. Uh, International justice mission's vision really is to end slavery in the world. That's a pretty big goal. That's an enormous goal a goal we would love to see happen. But is it just wishful thinking? Is that kind of freedom even possible? Uh, It's hard to see how real freedom like that is possible from a human standpoint. But into this world that we've described, into a world in which 40 million of our uh, neighbours are enslaved today, into this world, into this broken world that we belong to, the Lord Jesus has walked. And he, at the very beginning of his ministry, puts freedom right at the heart of his mission. Uh, We see this laid out for us in Luke chapter 4 that we had read for us earlier. In the story so far, Jesus has learned the scriptures. He's sat at the feet of the synagogue leaders and learned what God has said in the Old Testament. Uh, He has been baptized by John in the River Jordan and commissioned by God to go into his world. He's been sent into the desert for 40 days and nights uh, to be tested by the evil one. And having passed that test, having come through all of those things that God used to form him, he returns full of the spirit of the true and living God to his hometown of Nazareth and stands up in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Uh, And there he sets out the parameters of the mission that he's about to embark upon. Uh, He's handed uh, a scroll that has written on it the words of the prophet Isaiah and he looks for that spot actually from that passage we had read earlier in chapter 61. And he reads these words. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The members of the synagogue knew this text pretty well. Uh, They were, after all, in a a sense, in captivity themselves. They were the oppressed in many ways, suffering under the thumb of the mighty Roman Empire. And so they listen expectantly uh, to hear what Jesus will say as he begins to preach on this passage that he's chosen. Uh, And what is it that Jesus says? Well, he says simply, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, In other words, 
I'm that spirit-filled servant who God promised. I'm the one who the Lord has uniquely qualified and empowered to bring that message of freedom for captives. Uh, This is kind of, if you like, Jesus' campaign launch. This is like the beginning of an election campaign almost, and he makes a speech to kind of set out his policies for what's going to characterize the way that he behaves uh, in his office. Uh, You know, his office is Lord of the Universe, which you don't get elected to. But anyway, go with me. Uh, This is his campaign proposal, in a sense. And he deliberately chooses this passage from Isaiah as his manifesto. He takes up the prophet Isaiah's declaration that God will send a servant who will be empowered by his own spirit to bring release for the captives. And so right there, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he nominates freedom as a key component of his mission in the world. Uh, And in doing that, Jesus is just picking up actually on what God was already doing in the world throughout the whole of time, throughout the whole of the Scriptures. Uh, You might remember that, that the key defining moment that characterized God's relationship to his people, Israel, in the Old Testament, is when he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. God, from the very beginning of time, throughout Israel's history, throughout the history of Jesus and of his church, has been a God of freedom and of rescue. And so whenever Israel found herself once more enslaved to foreign nations, it happens a surprising amount, really. Every time Israel finds themselves in slavery again, they trust in this promise that God is a God of freedom and of rescue. And Jesus takes all of that upon himself here in Luke 4 as he begins his ministry. He says, I'm the guy. This is my mission. I'm announcing that freedom is here. Uh, Now, in Luke's recording of events, we only have uh, the first line of Jesus' sermon, which is kind of real annoying, isn't it? You kind of like to know the rest of what he said. But all we have is that first line, that this today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If you read on in Luke 4, you'll see uh, a kind of quite an aggressive um, post-sermon question time that gets really out of hand and they end up trying to throw Jesus off a cliff. Not going to have a question time tonight because I'm worried it might go that way. Uh, But we don't get the rest of Jesus' sermon itself. All we get is that first line. And the way that, that functions in Luke's gospel and Jesus' ministry is kind of to say that, you know, this, this sermon that I've begun, this message and ministry of freedom, the rest of what you see in the gospel, the rest of what you see in Jesus' life and death and resurrection, that's the rest of this sermon, actually. That's the content of this sermon that Jesus begins here in Luke chapter 4. And so we see throughout Jesus' life that he spends time drawing near to those on the margins, people who are captive to the powerful and to the social forces around them. We see Jesus showing grace and mercy to women who no one else will talk to. We see Jesus hanging around with people who are labelled as sinners by polite society. We see Jesus spending his time with victims of injustice, with the sick and the poor. And as he speaks comfort to them, as he heals them, we get a picture of what freedom actually looks like. We get a picture of what God's rescue looks like, of what it looks like when God's mission of freedom in the world comes to pass in Jesus. Uh, IJM's founder, Gary Haugen, has a a great book called Good News About Injustice, and this is what he says, this is how he kind of sums up this idea. He says, God seeks active rescue for victims of injustice. And that's what we see in Jesus' life and ministry. We see God's active rescue plan for release for the captives, for freedom for the oppressed. Uh, One thing that you see quite clearly from the marginalized people who Jesus spends so much of his time with uh, is that where there's captivity, where there's slavery, where there's any kind of unfreedom, what's often going on is the abuse of power. 
Uh, women are looked down upon uh, simply because they can be, because uh, socially, physically, they're weaker than the men around them. Uh, sinners are labelled as such and judged by people whose own sin is actually just not as obvious and so they can get away with doing that. The poor are exploited for gain instead of relieved. Uh, freedom is compromised in our world because of sin, whether that sin is individual or social, whether it's one person using their power to abuse someone else or whether it's unjust social structures and institutions that perpetuate injustice in all kinds of ways. And sin itself, Jesus is clear, sin too is actually a form of slavery. A form of slavery that runs deeper than any social structure or personal restriction can. Uh, Slavery in our world is a result of the deeper slavery of the human heart to sin. And that problem of slavery to sin is evident in the mission that Jesus launched in the Nazareth synagogue that day. Uh, Jesus himself proclaimed that everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. And so as Jesus meets and heals the captives and the oppressed in his ministry, he also releases them from sin. He releases them from the effects of sin, uh, of the sins of others in the world around them as power over them is abused. And he releases them from their own sin as well. And at the same time, he brings that same freedom and offers it even to the relatively free and powerful who do the enslaving and the oppressing. Uh, that's significant because, uh, you see, when, when slavery to sin is overcome, then all kinds of other slaveries begin to be overcome as well. You see this played out uh, really beautifully later on in Luke's Gospel in uh, that story of Zacchaeus, uh, the extortionist tax collector who Jesus meets. Uh, Zacchaeus too is a slave to sin, particularly he's a slave to the sin of greed, uh, and it leads him to uh, financially enslave those whom he has uh, a job to do. He's supposed to collect taxes, that's true. But he uses his power and abuses it to actually take far more than he is due. But when Jesus frees him from his own slavery to sin, he immediately puts his newfound freedom to work by beginning to bless others instead of extorting them. He exercises his new freedom to go far beyond simple repayment for those who he's wronged in the past to actually display a radical generosity toward them. Uh, Freedom from slavery to sin for this man brings uh, freedom from other kinds of slavery to other people as well. And so you see Jesus' mission of freedom then culminates in freeing human hearts from slavery to sin, which is the work that has to be done at the heart of undoing all other kinds of slavery. Uh, How did he do it though? How did Jesus win freedom for the slaves of sin? Uh, The thing that the scriptures tell us uh, in a really powerful way is that Jesus did it uh, by becoming a slave himself. Um, Flick with me in your Bibles, if you'd like to read along, to uh, Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, it's on page 954 if you're interested, uh, Paul talks about how Jesus actually releases people from slavery to sin. Uh, And here's what he says, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, Do you see how it is that Jesus' mission of freedom actually culminates in releasing people from slavery to sin? He does it by becoming a slave himself. Jesus uses his freedom 
to enter willingly into all the abuse of power or the sin in the world. He uses his freedom to enter into and endure uh, ridicule and exclusion, slander and beatings and violence, all those things that come out of men's sinful hearts, even to the point of death. Jesus uses his freedom to willingly become a slave so that he might rescue us from our slavery. He did it so that you and I might actually be able to enter into his freedom, the freedom that elsewhere the Apostle Paul calls the glorious freedom of the children of God. No longer slaves to sin, but children of the God who made us. Jesus wins freedom for slaves by becoming a slave himself. And so this is what Jesus' mission of freedom tells us. It tells us that freedom is possible because Jesus used his power, his freedom, to instead become a slave and free us. And because he's done that, freedom in all other spheres is possible. Uh, Because he's done that, we can hope and pray and act for the eradication of slavery in all its forms. Because he's done that, we can be sure that our God is a God of rescue who's made it his mission to bring freedom to his creation. Uh, If you trust in the Lord Jesus, then you are free from slavery to sin and freedom from everything else becomes possible for you as well. And so having had that freedom won for us in Jesus, what does it look like to actually live that out? Uh, Is freedom actually livable? Is it possible to live in a different way because of this freedom? Uh, And the short answer to that question is this. Uh, How do you live freely? Well, having been set free from slavery to sin through Jesus' mission of freedom, we are made a part of that mission of freedom as well. Uh, In Romans 6, Paul puts it like this. He says, Thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And that you, having been set free from sin, have become instead slaves of justice. You see that? We've gone from being slaves of sin to being slaves of justice. Because we who were once slaves have now been made free by the grace of God in Jesus, we're completely given over to that same mission that Jesus began that day in Nazareth. Uh, We're in the freedom business with Jesus. Uh, And so we stand against slavery in any form, in any sphere of life, in ourselves and in others. And instead, we're on for freedom. We're for freedom from abusive relationships, for freedom from addictions, freedom from judgmentalism, freedom from the tendency to envy and compare ourselves with others, freedom from pride, freedom from greed, freedom from poverty, Yes, in all those things, freedom from sin itself as we get about the business of doing real heart repentance in our own lives and about the business of proclaiming to the world that Jesus is offering release to the captives. And because we're against slavery and for freedom, then yes, we're also for freedom for every one of those 40 million men, women and children who find themselves in slavery today. Uh, Each one of those 40 million people has uh, a face, a name, and a story, stories that are known to our God who cares uh, so much, so deeply for justice and for freedom in his world. Uh, We're going to meet one of those people now. We're going to hear the story uh, of a young boy from Ghana named Foley. Uh, There were, uh, I get uh, IJM's uh, prayer emails, prayer newsletters, and they send one out once a week. It's uh, brilliant, actually. If you're not on them, you need to get on them. Uh, There's a card, actually, in your service sheet that will tell you how to do that. Uh, Just yesterday, uh, 12 more uh, children and young people uh, from uh, that same lake, Lake Volta, where Foley was rescued, uh, were rescued yesterday, just yesterday. 
uh, IGM and their uh, partners in the authorities in Ghana went in and rescued another 12 people who had been in slavery there on that lake. Uh, we care about this because we're on for freedom. Uh, we get about being involved in this kind of work because Jesus has won freedom for us through his own death and resurrection. Uh, what does it look like to live freely in light of what Jesus has done? It means using your freedom to seek freedom for others. In whatever sphere it is, uh, people you know, people who are far away. It means seeking freedom for those who are still in slavery to sin as you tell them the good news of Jesus. It means seeking freedom for those who are trapped in all kinds of uh, behaviours or relationships that are unhealthy for them. It means seeking freedom uh, as far as you can, as far as uh, you're able, uh, using the resources that God has given you. We live out the freedom that Jesus Christ expressed in making himself a slave by making ourselves slaves to others for the sake of winning them to freedom. Uh, and in the end, we're, we're on for this. We do this because when we look at someone like Foley and many others like him, what we see when we see people like him enslaved is we see a picture actually of what we were like without Jesus. We see a picture lived out of what we were like in our hearts before Jesus set us free from sin. And so also as we see them rescued, as we see them brought from slavery into freedom, we see a picture of what God has done for us in rescuing us from our own slavery to sin. This is just another expression of God's mission of freedom in the world. And so we seek to stretch out to all those who are enslaved and offer them the freedom that Jesus brings. We do that by using our prayers, our time, our money, our voices to join in that same mission that God has begun and continues in the Lord Jesus. This is why we're on for IJM, because they continue in that same work that Jesus began that day in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth. as the work that he's done in us by his spirit as he connects us to Jesus and his death and resurrection as well. We're on for freedom, and so we're on for rescuing people like Foley. So I'm going to pray for us now that God will give us big hearts, that will give us hearts that know the freedom that comes from the Lord Jesus, so that we might give ourselves to being part of his mission as well. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus used his freedom not for his own gain, but freely made himself a slave, enduring the worst that sin and evil could throw at him so that he might win freedom for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that we who trust in Jesus are no longer slaves to sin, but know freedom. Thank you that we're people who don't just wish we could know how it feels to be free, but we know in the depths of our hearts what it looks like to be set free from sin. Father, we pray that you continue to do that work around the world, that, uh, that the ripple effects of people being freed from their slavery to sin would go out in the world in all kinds of other slavery being overcome as well. Father, we ask that you would give us big hearts and a big vision for what it is that you're doing in the world, for what it looks like to be a part of the freedom mission that Jesus has begun and that you call us to join in. Father, give us wisdom, give us generosity, uh, give us our passion for the work that you're doing in the world so that we might see our place in it. Father, we ask that you'd help us to use the freedom you won for us to seek freedom for others. We pray that as we do so, you might make us part of that big work that you're doing throughout your creation to bring freedom once more. Father, prosper the work again, we pray, of IJM. Prosper uh, the work uh, of our own hands and our own lives where we seek freedom for those around us as well. Father, we ask that you would do this for the glory and honour of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.